I just want to start this morning just by kind of recapping something that we uh, looked at um, kind of back in, uh, kind of right at the end of November and then we kind of went into Christmas, so everything got a bit Christmassy. Um, but in, in Ephesians chapter 3, this is the great prayer, one of the great prayers of the New Testament, the prayer of the Apostle Paul for the church in Ephesus. He prays for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven on an earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted, everyone say rooted? And established, everyone say established? In love, everyone say in love? May have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love, everyone say, know this love, that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen. Um, so you might remember that um, kind of back in, well, when we kind of started here in September, I was doing a series on established. And we landed um, at, at the back end of November um, with this scripture here, this prayer of Paul, that you will be rooted and established in what? In the love of God. In the love of Christ. And that word established, as we looked at each week, it means to be solid, it means to be fixed, and it means to be secure. And so what Paul prays here is that the thing that we would understand, that we would experience, we would come to the knowledge that the thing that we can fix our lives upon is the fact that we are loved by God. The thing that is absolutely solid and firm and secure is the knowledge that you are loved by Almighty God. Amen? Uh, as Laura's mentioned already, who knows there's a huge difference between the world and the kingdom of God. And who knows, this world is being shaken, this world is full of all kinds of evil and all kinds of, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff that is going on. But the one thing that we can be absolutely certain of today is that no matter the shaking, no matter our circumstances, no matter our own performance, we are loved. Amen? And you need to know that today. And Paul says, I pray that you would know that. And he's writing not to a bunch of unbelievers. He's writing to one of the best churches in the New Testament. He prays, I pray, you need to know this. You need to know the height, the width, the depth. You need to be established on this. You need to be rooted in this. You need, you need your roots to go down deeper into this truth. I am loved. Whatever's going on in your health, in your finances, in your family, in your ministry, in your job, no matter what, you are loved by Father God. Hallelujah. Isaiah 54 says, Though the mountains be shaken, 
and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. No, my covenant peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Hallelujah. Even though the mountains be moved. In, in other words, even if there's such a shaking that even immovable things are moved, the one thing that cannot be moved is God's love for you. He said, I will never take that love away from you. It cannot be shaken. You are the object of his love. Hallelujah. It says um, in one of the Psalms, by night, he directs his love towards you. Hallelujah. Isn't that a beautiful image? That, that, that God's right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to direct love to John. I'm going to direct love to James. And it says by night. Even so, sometimes when things are dark and we can't see naturally, that's the very moment when the great conductor of the orchestra says, right, I'm going to direct a love song towards you. In the midst of that pain, in the midst of that trial, I am going to send you my love. And of course, when he says, I'm going to direct my love, I'm going to send you love, he's talking about himself because he is love. He cannot separate the love of God and the person of God because God is love. Amen? That means he cannot help but love. He cannot stop loving. He cannot not be Love. Love is not something that he chooses to do. It's who he is. He cannot help it. He is love. An unconditional, unchanging, never-ending, limitless, loyal, faithful love. Hallelujah. So, this morning, I, I want to kind of do a, the start of a new series um, that, that's called Beloved. Beloved. Can we all say that word together this morning? Yeah. Beloved. In Matthew chapter 3, um, Jesus comes to the Jordan River to John the Baptist. and um, He comes to be baptized and John says, look, you know, I, who am I to be baptized? You, you're the one that needs to baptize me. And Jesus says, no, I need to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And Jesus enters the waters of baptism. He goes under the water, he comes up, and it says at that moment, the heavens are opened. And the Holy Spirit in the form of the dove comes to rest upon Jesus. And then there is a voice from heaven, a Father God. And the Father says uh, pretty similar things to what he would later say when Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration. And that says, this, Jesus is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hallelujah. The Amplified says, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased and delighted. The message says, this is my son, who is chosen and marked by my love. In other words, the thing that marks Jesus, that sets Jesus apart, is the love of his Father. The one who is chosen and marked by my love, the delight of my life. That is the declaration 
that the Father speaks over Jesus. He doesn't say, this is my prophet, or this is my teacher. He doesn't, he doesn't even say, this is the one who will rule the universe, or this is the one that will die for you. He simply says this, this is my beloved son. The first revelation that the Father wanted humanity to get about Jesus was how loved he was by his Father. Hallelujah. And of course, at that moment, Jesus had not preached a sermon. Jesus had not healed anyone. He'd not cast out a demon. He'd not gone to the cross. Uh, so again, God's understanding of love is perhaps a little bit different to the world's because we often see love as a reward for something. You know, Hazel bet some wonderful, wonderful cakes this morning. We love you, Hazel. <laughs> but God says, you don't have to bake another thing yeah. and you love. Yeah. Yeah. Even before you even came up with the idea of baking something, you are love. Aren't you glad the love of God is not a reward yeah. for your behavior or your performance? It's simply a declaration of how he sees you. This is my beloved son. Now that word beloved in the Greek is the Greek word agapetos. And it means beloved. It means esteemed. It means favorite. Hallelujah. It means the one who is worthy of love. It means dear, as in precious. Contentment. Desirable. Of the prize. So the Father is speaking over Jesus. This is the son that I esteem. This is the son of my favor. This is the one who is worthy of my love. This is the one who I find precious. This is the one who just brings me contentment. This is the one that I desire. This is the one that I prize. Yeah. All the love that Father God had for Jesus. He was always with him. There was not one moment when Father God was not with the Son. The Bible says that the, that the Father gave Jesus all things. When Jesus was at the grave of Lazarus. He, he said, Father, I know that you always hear me. Jesus knew that the Father was always at work in his life. So being a beloved son, Jesus knew the Father's always with me. The Father always hears me. The Father is always at work in my life. And the Father has given me all things. Amen. But here is, for me, <coughs> Jesus said a lot of good stuff. Would that be a radical statement? <laughs> but this is perhaps the most, in my opinion, one of the most mind-blowing things that Jesus ever said. In fact, I think it's impossible to understand this without the help of the Holy Spirit. And it's in John 15, 9, where Jesus makes this statement. As... The Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Yeah. Wow. 
as the Father has loved me. So that incredible love that the Father had for Jesus, that we've just been looking at, Jesus said, that is the same measure, the same quality, the same type of love that I give for you. Wow. The, the Passion Translation of Ephesians 1, 6 says this. It was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the Anointed One, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. For the same love, everyone say same love. love. For the same love he has for his beloved, beloved one, Jesus. He has for us. Wow. The same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, he has for us. Amen. Amen. This is the wonder and the power of the gospel. That the blood of Jesus that he shed on the cross, not only does it wash us and cleanse us and sanctify us, and not only does his resurrection guarantee our resurrection, but who knows the gospel is even more powerful than just forgiveness and eternal life in heaven. Amen. The Bible tells us that we have now been baptized into Jesus. We have been immersed into Jesus. In fact, the Apostle Paul, his favorite phrase is this, in Christ Jesus. He says it over and over again. Can everyone say this morning, I, I am in, in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Not in your misery, not in your depression, not in your sickness, not in your anxiety. I am in Christ Jesus. And who is Christ Jesus? He is the beloved. So you have been baptized into the beloved. You have been immersed into the beloved. You, you are in the beloved. So when the father looks at you, he no longer sees a dirty, miserable sinner, but he sees his beloved son. He sees the image of his beloved son looking back at him through you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. If I've got a bottle of water here, we'll call it bottle A. And I've got a, a bottle of water, we'll call it bottle B. And there was, a, there was a bowl in the middle. And we poured the water from bowl A into the bowl. And then we poured the water in, uh, in bottle B into the bowl. Which, it, which water will be from bottle A and which will be from bottle B? Who knows? You couldn't separate it. They have become one. Yeah. Amen? Amen? You have become one with God's only son. Hallelujah. So which is the beloved son part and which is the hated sinner part? The beloved son part has swallowed up yeah. all of the sin and all of the filth and all of the unrighteousness. And now you are seen in the beloved. You are seen in 
Christ. Hallelujah. In fact, Galatians 4 says, Paul says, you have been given the full rights of sons. Hallelujah. Has anyone bought Prince Harry's book? Good. I was going to say, I was going to say, if you had, we'll, we'll pray for you. But, but what was that book? Spare. Because he was the younger brother, he was seen as the spare. Or my older brother, he's got, you know, he's got the, the, the throne, he's got the crown, he's got all this. Who knows, in the kingdom, when Jesus is your older brother, you're not a spare. You're an heir. Come on, sir. That's good. That's a, a good little preaching phrase, isn't it? I stole it from someone else. I'm not fabulous. Come on, with little phrases like that. They're, they're, when Jesus is your older brother, you are not a spare. You are an heir. You have been given the full rights of sons. Hallelujah. As the Father has loved me, Jesus said. So as Jesus was beloved, you are beloved. As Jesus always had his father with him, you always have the father with him. When Jesus said, Father, you will always hear me. You can test, that can be your testimony today. Father, I know that you always hear me. My prayer might not be articulate. My prayer not be, may not be as anointed as any as other people. But Father, you always hear me. Because I'm your beloved son. Hallelujah. As Jesus knew that the father was always at work in his life, you can know the father is always at work in your life. As Jesus knew the, 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 the son has been given all things, you can know today he has given you all things. Joy, peace, love, a purpose, freedom, whatever you need, it's all there in the beloved, in Jesus. Hallelujah. Ephesians 1 verse 6, Paul says that we have been accepted in the beloved. Everyone say accepted. Isn't that what, if we're honest, we all want to be accepted? Have you ever been in a, an environment, maybe a work environment, or maybe a friendship group, or you've just been somewhere and you thought, I'm not accepted here. You know, my, they just don't get me. You know, I don't belong here. I, I, I'm trying to explain myself, but, but they're just not getting it. I'm not the right fit for this group of people. But isn't there something wonderful where you say, I'm accepted here. These people get me. These people know me and understand me. I've found my, where I belong. This verse says that you are accepted in the very presence of your Father in heaven. Hallelujah. You don't feel out of, you are not out of place in the throne room of God. Hallelujah. You are known, you are accepted, you are welcomed, you are valued, and you are chosen. Amen. In who? Jesus. The beloved. In Christ Jesus. The NIV says. Hallelujah. In other words, you are not accepted 
because of your own performance or your own ability or your own worthiness or your own gifting, you are accepted because you're in the beloved. Amen. 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 The truth is that sometimes we see Christianity as, you know, righteousness and holiness kind of being this ladder. And I don't know where you see yourself on the ladder, but we kind of think, well, I get saved and then it's a, it's a continual process of kind of climbing up the ladder to get to that place where I'm, I'm truly where I need to be. But the truth is, who knows, you will never, ever hit the top of the ladder. And if you do, the bar just gets higher. But the truth is, you are not accepted because of how much you pray or what you do or how perfect you are. You are accepted in Christ, in the beloved. His blood, his love, that is what has made you worthy. It's grace, it's the gospel, it's our union with Christ. It's the fact that we are one with Jesus. Hallelujah. Uh, Brennan Manning said this, we try and live to get him to love us instead of living because he has already loved us. Hallelujah. Isn't that where real freedom comes in? And where real joy comes in? Will realize I don't have to prove myself. I am already loved. I am already welcomed. I am already accepted. But here's the amazing thing, even more amazing. Not only are you in the beloved, but he actually calls you beloved. So in Romans chapter 9, verse 25. Paul says this, or, or, well, rather Paul is actually quoting uh, a prophetic word from Hosea. I will call those who are not my people, my people. And those who are not loved, I will call my beloved. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yes. See, speaking here about the Gentiles, those who are, who are cut off from the promises and the covenant of God. And um, but but Hosea, even in the Old Testament, prophesied there would be a day when God would come to those who were not his people and say, I'm making a new declaration of your life. You're now my people. Yes. He would come to those who were not loved and he would say, you're my beloved. Now, we might say, well, surely God loves Everyone, and this is sometimes where we kind of get our theology a little bit wrong because who knows that God created everyone, yeah. amen? God is everyone's creator, but God is not everyone's father because sonship is only found in Christ. So, although God loves everyone as creator, there is something deep and special, and applicable, and alive, when we come into sonship. Now it's like we can experience that love. We can walk in that love, and that is only found in Christ. 
So without sight of Christ, we're sinners. The Bible tells us that we're enemies of God. But when you come to Christ, when you put your faith in the power of his blood and the power of his cross, God comes to you and he calls you, you are my beloved. Hallelujah. You are my beloved. Those who were not my people, you are now my people. Those who are not loved, I will call my beloved. So he actually calls you this morning, beloved. What's your name? Beloved. Hallelujah. You want a word from God this morning? You know, a lot of people kind of search the whole world looking for a prophetic word, looking for a word from God. And particularly at the start of the year, it's like, oh, what's, you know, what's God saying for this year? This is the word for the year if you've not had one yet. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. The heavens are open over your life today. The Holy Spirit rests upon you and your Father in heaven speaks this word over you. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. You are the one with whom I am well pleased. You are the one who I find delight in. Wow. So he doesn't he doesn't just love you but put up with you. Yes, yeah. yeah. yeah, so he likes you. Isn't that incredible? You know, because you know, come on, be honest. You're like, well, I've got to love them. Because the Bible tells me to, but you know, I don't have to like them. But not only does he love you, he finds delight in you. He finds joy in you. He esteems you. This is again going back to that definition of of beloved. Because he calls us beloved. He esteems you. He favors you. You have been made worthy of his love. He finds contentment in you. He finds you precious. Desirable. You are his prize. You are chosen and marked and set apart by his love. Hallelujah. Um, Isaiah 62, verse 4, says, No longer will they call you deserted, or name your land desolate, but you will be called Hepzibah, your land Belua, for the Lord will take great delight in you, and your land will be married. Those two Hebrew words that I just butchered, one of them means my delight is in her. The other one means married. So God is there saying, no longer will you be called deserted. No longer will you be called desolate. I call you my delight is in you. I call you my bride. I call you my beloved. Aren't you glad that our God removes the labels of the past? He removes the labels that other people put on us. He removes the label of our circumstance. He removes all those things and he strips our identity back to you, my beloved. Hallelujah. I heard a testimony just a a few days ago of a a young girl that was... um, 
very kind of, I, can't, I, can't, I think she had a, like a problem with her back or there was some kind of disability. Um, part of a, she got bones in her body that were broken and she was baptized for a water baptism. And if she came up out of the water and came out, out of the tank, she came out completely healed by the power of God. And they asked Esther what happened. And she said, when I came up out of the waters, I looked in the water and I saw my broken body at the bottom of the water. And I came up whole. And that's what baptism is, that he leaves your brokenness at the bottom of the water. He leaves your depression at the bottom of the water. He leaves your past at the bottom of the water. And he says, you're brand new. You're my beloved. My delight is in you. No longer are you deserted. No longer are you abandoned. No longer um, are you desolate. Are you broken? You're married to me. You belong to me. If only we could see this morning that we're not our sin. We're not our circumstances. We're not our inner feelings. We are who he says we are. Which is his beloved children. Hallelujah. Again, Brendan Manning said, my deepest awareness of myself is that I am deeply loved by Jesus Christ and I have done absolutely nothing to earn it or deserve it. Hallelujah. Just, just a few more moments, but the greatest thing that, that Satan wants to rob from you is your is your knowledge of how loved you are by God. It's not your health. It's not your finances. It's not anything external. Because he can take all those things. But if you if you still know I'm loved, then he can't touch you. And isn't it incredible that the Father speaks over Jesus? This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. He goes into the wilderness, fasts for 40 days, 49. Satan comes tempted. And what's the first temptation? If you are the Son of God. The thing he went after was, come on, are you really a beloved Son? Are you really loved by your father? And how he did it was so simple. If you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. In other words, if you are the son of God, prove it. Prove it. Oh, you're going around saying, singing this morning, oh, how he loves us. Well, come on, prove it. How much have you prayed this week? <laughs> oh, you were a bit busy this week, were you? Well, who do you think you are to sing, oh, how he loves us? Well, if you're the son of God, come on, that sin that you committed last week, go go a whole week without doing that sin, and then maybe you can say, yeah. who knows, Jesus could have easily turned stone into the breath. Yeah. Yeah. But he didn't play Satan's game. He said, God, the Father's love for me is not based on my ability to perform a miracle. He said, what did he say? 
it is written. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. I'll leave it if the Bible didn't say it. It's still the true anyway. The word of God says that we are with. No matter whether we're up here spiritually or down here. No matter how you perform this week. The word of God says that you are loved. Unconditionally by Almighty God. Hallelujah. We, we spoke on this in November. John, the disciple, went around. What did he call himself? I am the disciple whom Jesus loved. Come on, say it with me again. I am the disciple whom Jesus loves. Did Jesus love any of the others? Of course he did. But John was the one who got the revelation. Amen. And this is where I want to close for a moment. Because I, I asked Laura to do the graphic that way. Beloved. But you can also say beloved, beloved, but also be loved. John allowed himself to be loved by Jesus. It's not enough just to say I'm beloved, but will you actually be loved? Will you actually let your guard down and your restrictions down and your church face down and your Britishness down and allow Father God to love you as he wants to love you? Psalm 2 says, this is the Father speaking, you are my son, today I have become your father. I am your son. That's just that's a statement of theology. Today, I have become the father. That's a statement of experience. I put it like this: When Judah and Asher were born, that moment they were my sons. But at that moment, they didn't have a clue who I was. <laughs> but there came a moment. I don't know when it was, but they realised. That's my father. And there has to come a moment in our lives when we get it. And sadly, some people have been in church 40, 50 years and they've not truly got just how loved they are. How do you know that you've got it? Guys, can you just come up? I, I want to leave you with one final scripture. This is how you know that you've got it. And for those that like to just maybe take a scripture and just meditate on it all week, I want to encourage you to take this scripture and just meditate on it this week. Deuteronomy chapter 33 verse 12. And it says this. Let the beloved of the Lord rest secure." For he shields him all day long. And the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. Let the beloved of the Lord rest 
securing free shields all day long. And the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. <coughs> Everyone say rest. rest. Say it again. Rest. It says it twice. Everyone say secure. Rest and security are the signs that you know that you're loved. I am secure in who I am. I'm a child of God. I am at rest in His love. Because I know.